Hi again, everybody. Stuart Gandolf here. Uh, welcome to another one of our podcast interviews. I'm really excited today, as I almost always am when I do these things. Uh, today we're interviewing uh, Rob Klein of Klein & Partners. And uh, Klein & Partners is a notable uh, marketing research firm in our field. And I saw him speak at Shishmid, and I've seen him speak at other places. And I think Rob always has great things to say. Philosophically, we're absolutely on the same page. And um, I enjoy his presentations. And so uh, there's a couple sound bites that came out of his talk this year. And so today's topic is about one of those sound bites, which is uh, another philosophical thing we talk a lot about in our, to our readers. And uh, it was Rob said offhandedly, you know, retail is learning healthcare a lot faster than healthcare is learning retail. And so my ears perked up, and I said, "Hey, Rob, I got to talk to you about this on an interview." And so he thankfully agreed. So welcome, Rob. Well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Uh, Rob, do me a favor. Tell our listeners a little bit about your firm and background, just so they have kind of a context for the viewpoint that you're coming from. I've spent the last 30 years uh, as a market researcher and a, and a brand consultant, working with hospitals of all sizes and shapes around the country, from small critical access to community hospitals to academic medical centers. To, to large systems, and the focus of my practice is really trying to help um, my clients understand their their brand strengths and weaknesses, and what I call the brand dialogue. So every every touch point that my clients have with their constituents, whether it's patients, consumers, physicians, uh, staff, whomever, is what does that dialogue look like, and how does it enhance or erode their brand strengths? So you're doing, it sounds like, far beyond just sort of brand awareness campaigns and really helping them understand how they're communicating to their community? Oh, absolutely. So it's, it's not only understanding what type of brand promise do they want to make, what does the brand architecture look like that foundationally supports that brand promise, as well as the brand experience. I'm doing a, a significant amount of experience journey mapping, as, is what we call it, to really understand what does the new customer and I'm using that word purposely, over-patient, because as I'll talk about in a little bit here, the patient is becoming a customer from a mindset and an expectation standpoint, and it is a game-changer. So tell me, customer, wait a minute, they're patients, right? <laughs> yes, they are, absolutely, and they always, they always, uh, they always will be in, uh, uh, in some fashion. But from an expectation standpoint, in fact, I do an annual on-the-bus survey, and my study last year I, I titled the theme Disruptive Expectations, and by that I mean consumers' expectations of a, whether it's a hospital visit, a physician office visit, urgent care, whatever the care setting, their expectations are no longer held within our industry. For example, years ago, if someone had a bad experience with their physician or hospital, they would compare it to a better physician visit, as an example, or a better hospital visit. So all of their expectations were held within our world. That is no longer the case. And especially I'm noticing ever since the Accountable Care Act has really come full swing and is integrated into our, um, our, into the United States and with consumers, that expectations have changed dramatically of what people are expecting. And so the patient which tends to be more of a, we might think of it more as a, a passive, I'll do whatever the physician says type of, 
relationship, the customer is more proactive in coming in with expectations, saying things. I hear this in focus groups that I'm doing over and over where they will say, well, why can I go to Open Table and get a, a restaurant reservation, but I have to call my doctor's office and argue with someone on the phone to try to get a, a time? Or why can I go to Apple stores? And they check me in, they greet me, they put me in their system, and I know that they won't forget about me. But when I go to the doctor's office and I check in, I sit down for five minutes and I start thinking, did they forget about me? So I need to go up and, and bang on the glass, which is another thing that they'll use as a, a negative uh, cue. You know, like the, the drill is a negative cue for dentistry. The glass in front of the person at the physician's office or the hospital or urgent care, that glass is seen as not creating or fostering a good relationship between a what is now feeling like a customer to, uh, to, the, to the brand. So expectations uh, are very different than they were just a few years ago. Yeah, Stuart. No, it's, it's funny because, um, again, I told you we're so philosophically on the same page, and I can think of anecdote after anecdote. One of the classics I remember when I um, – I decided uh, crazily that I want to start uh, skating and playing hockey again as though I don't have enough to do in my life. And I was skating in the middle of the night um, getting ready for this, and I popped my knee. I, was, I don't know what I did, but my knee popped, so I had an MRI. And, you know, I'm wondering if I'm going to have to have surgery. And the way they treated me in terms of results, like, oh, we have the results, but the doctor's not here. Um, he'll be back in, you know, like in four or five days. I'm like, wait a minute. I'm exactly the customer you tell, you guys want. I know this. You you guys love me. I've got good insurance. I'm educated. I've got uh, I'm the upscale patient you guys want, and you're telling me that you're going to put me in, wait me, wait when you've got the results there, and it's not inconvenient for you to give me results. It's insanity. So uh, I actually wrote an article. You say you want these upscale patients, then act like it. So that that's absolutely true. So that's very interesting. The, the insights you're getting from your research, and I think that's why you're so much fun to listen because. Um, these are sort of marketing premises that we talk about a lot, but you're hearing this stuff from these people live every day in your focus groups and through your surveys. So what do you think is causing this? Why, why now? I mean, healthcare has been around a long time. Why suddenly are expectations changing so much? Well, from what I'm gathering in my research, so much it has to do with the Accountable Care Act. I'm finding upwards of 60% of Americans are saying that their costs have gone up since the Accountable Care Act. Um, we still have, I just, in my latest omnibus, one in 10 Americans still doesn't have health insurance. And we all thought that that was supposed to go away and that everybody would be insured. And so exchange, uh, the exchanges are not seeing the coming in of members in the sizes they were expecting. And what's happening, the unintended consequences are what I'm, what I'm hearing and also looking on the news and, and hearing from opinion leaders is that corporations have stepped up and there hasn't been the drop-off of benefits in a group environment that they were expecting, and therefore the exchange numbers are much lower, which is leading to the unintended consequence of, as we all know, the smaller the risk pool, the higher the rates are. And I can speak personally. Um, my wife and I both have individual coverage, and within the past year, I would say my rates have gone up 40%, hers have gone up 30%, and we both are now going through our second round of, we're sorry, we're no longer offering these exact benefits, but please pick from a new set of benefits. We'd love to keep you in our plan. And this is Blue Cross Blue Shield. So we're already getting the runaround 
and being changed into different plans. And, of course, if we want to keep our doctors and have a wide network, we are now losing uh, the, the ability to have a lower price. Now we're paying a lot more to keep what we had just a few months ago. So that is something that's really creating these higher expectations. I have more skin in the game, so if I'm paying more, I'm more like a customer than a patient. You know, it, it's funny, too, because I, I've noticed, even in conversations I have, um, uh, flying recently, I was sitting up in the front with somebody who is sort of a very upscale individual, and uh, the way she was talking, it's, it's funny, it reminded me, it's, it's the, her comments just as a consumer were really, wait a minute, this doctor doesn't understand, I'm the customer, I'm paying for this, he works for me. <laughs> and it's just it's a completely different mindset entirely. Um, so I can totally agree with you on these expectations, and it's happening at light speed. I've been doing in, in healthcare marketing for 20 years, and I think that um, uh, consumers' expectations are changing. You also alluded to, Rob, something, and maybe you can elaborate on this, about the scheduling. It's funny, when I'm doing my seminars, I talk about, you know, what are the two things in my experience that patients want electronically in terms of interacting with their doctor? Number one is they want to be able to email them uh, for and, and communicate with them via email, and number two, they want to be able to schedule themselves and make an appointment. What are the two things doctors don't want to do with patients online? Let them email them and let them schedule their own appointments. So uh, do, uh, what does your research say about these things? Absolutely. As I alluded to before with the, the example of, say, an open table, consumers absolutely, they're losing their patience with understanding why we can't do things from an experiential standpoint like they can receive in other industries. So why can't I schedule online? Uh, why, why can't uh, you simply, in fact, I have a lot of consumers will say to me, why can't they just text me? If they're running an hour behind, send me a text, tell me not to come at two, but to come at three, everybody's happy. Then I don't get there and sit for an hour. And let me tell you what the unintended consequences are of that. After 2008, when we took the big financial hit, and had the recession. A lot of people lost jobs. A lot of people had their jobs changed. They went from full-time down to part-time, or they went from salary, and the only job they could get was hourly. What consumers are telling me is, don't they understand that, doesn't my doctor understand that when I'm sitting there for an hour or two, I've clocked out. So not only is this office visit costing me whatever, say I have a copay, let's just make up a number, say I have a $10 copay. So in addition to that, whatever, however many hours I'm clocked out, I will never get that hourly wage back. So my physician's not understanding that this cost goes well beyond just the copay, which may only say it's only $5, but I may have lost $30 or $40 that day because I sat there for three hours waiting. So... That's part of, uh, as we're going to be talking a, a little bit later, uh, about you know my time is just as valuable as yours. Well, it's, it's twofold is why that's happening, because not only is my time more valuable because I'm feeling like a, a, a customer because I am paying more, but my time's more valuable because the clock is ticking. For a lot of Americans, that 10, 15 years ago, the clock wasn't ticking in that manner, so they could spare the time. They weren't happy about it. But they would, they would say things, you know, when I did groups on experience 10, 15 years ago, people would say, oh, you know, I hate waiting, but I, I understand my doctor's busy and I, I'm fine. Now there's not 
that's not so much. People are saying, look, I, I have to go. I, I can't wait. Or why can't you do what other organizations do is just text me that you're running. So very, there's very simple things we're not doing that are huge dissatisfiers to consumers today. So let's talk about retail uh, organizations and the retailization. Um, and, you know, you can talk about, you know, Walmart or um, having clinics or CVS or whomever. What, what, uh, tell me more about that idea. Absolutely. As I, as, I, as I said before, we kind of started this out with, you know, retail is learning healthcare faster than healthcare is learning retail. And let's look at a CVS and a Walgreens. I've had the opportunity to actually tour the, the flagship uh, store of Walgreens in Chicago, downtown Chicago. And I met with their, their brand manager. And I'll tell you, if someone dropped you in that store and didn't tell you where you were, Walgreens would have been the last guess you would have had. It is extremely, extremely upscale. And they along with CVS, they really want to own primary care and urgent care. And what they're doing differently that we're not doing, let's just take one element, price transparency. When you call a hospital or a doctor uh, as a consumer or a patient and say, how much is this procedure, you're basically getting the runaround. And my research, especially my omnibus, is showing that fewer people are actually checking prices in healthcare because they're not getting a good answer. They're getting the runaround like, oh, it depends on your insurance. It's too complicated. We can't tell you. Then they run down to their neighbor, uh, neighborhood Walgreens or a CVS, and what do they have inside the clinic? They've got a huge monitor TV screen, and it lists all of the procedures they offer at all of the prices. It, well, physical is 99 or um, a flu shot is 19.99, what have you. So consumers are saying, wait a minute, why can this retailer tell me the exact price, yet I call my doctor and they can't tell me, plus I have to make an appointment to get a flu shot, and it's twice as much once I get in there, whereas I can run down to Walgreens, sit for five minutes, get a shot, do some shopping, and I'm, I'm done. So retail understands access, ease of getting in and getting out, and the fact that they know no one would ever go into a Walgreens and have the prices for the pop and the beer and all, anything that you might buy, a big range. Like this, this two-liter Pepsi is between $2 and $6, and that's as close as we can get it. Nobody in their right mind would buy any product except healthcare without knowing exactly how much it costs. And retailers are changing that paradigm for us in healthcare. So we have to respond and start acting more like retailers. One of the, the premises I have when I uh, look at this in terms of the sort of, I guess I would almost say it's, it's hubris, uh, the idea that, um, you know, we can, you know, put people through these uh, uh, hoops. And the um, consumers now, you know, especially as people become called, I think it, in the olden days, you know, the uh, Bob Hope generation, you know, most of those people really looked up to doctors or hospitals as authority figures and a lot of them probably weren't, you know, college educated. But now a lot of these people that they're trying to target, you know, are college educated. They're used to experiences. They're used to being treated really nice just about everywhere, except when it comes to healthcare. How do? Why do you think? Um, uh, or what do you think that when you talk about Walgreens and CVS, what do you think the uh, uh, the ultimate uh, impact is going to be? I mean, do you feel like hospitals and uh, urgent care clinics and doctors are um, duly noticing this, or do you feel like they're still napping? 
when I talk about it with clients, there's a, there's a lot of head nodding going on, but I'm not seeing a sense of urgency. I don't think the fire is lit yet. I don't, I'm not sure that, and, and you know, if I can back up a bit, you know, we're heading towards an oligopolistic structure in our industry. It's happened everywhere else. We had banking went through it when there were thousands of bank brands. Now, gosh, there's half a dozen major brands. The airline industry went through it recently. Um, retail, almost every industry is now heading towards this oligopolistic structure. I believe in healthcare. We're going to end up in the next 10 or 15 years with maybe a dozen or 15 major national healthcare systems that are going to account for 60, 70 percent or more of the beds in this country. And so, with that oligopolization, expectations and things are changing. Um, but I'm not seeing a sense of urgency that somebody from another industry could come in and take away primary care or even urgent care. And I'll tell you, urgent care right now is seen as plan B when my doctor fails me. That's a thing that I'm really trying to hammer home with my clients is it's, it's an access problem. People go to urgent care not because they want to, but because they can't get in to see their primary care doctor because they were busy or booked. And so that's seen as a brand failure on the part of the physician. So as they develop urgent care strategies, they've got to be linked very, very clearly with the physician office. I've got a few clients that are actually talking about expanding hours. So before 9 o'clock, it's urgent care. Then the doctor comes in, does their office hours, and then 5 o'clock to 9, it goes back into an urgent care environment in the same office because people are, don't like going to urgent care because, again, they're not planning for it, so it's something they just got to figure out where to go. And a lot of times they'll refer to it as a doc in the box if it's not connected to their brand. So, again, there are things about access that retail. Remember bankers hours? I, in the early 80s, I actually worked in a bank, and bankers hours were the scourge. We hated hearing people say, oh, you have bankers hours. Bankers hours don't exist anymore. Now it's doctor's hours. That's the new banker's hours. And so <laughs> we, we have to recognize, and I know I'm picking on the doctor's offices a lot, but the, the fact of the matter is they are on the front line, and retail is going to impact them faster than all the way back at the pack with the hospital. So retailization is hitting doctor's offices first. And so we have really got to get together and help them. You know, in fact, I, I, I tell my clients when I'm speaking on this, I jokingly say if I could come back and start a whole new career, I would come back as a body language expert because when <laughs> I'm doing my experience journey mapping, patients are saying, excuse me, customers are saying over and over that they have the door jam doctor. Stuart, do you know what a door jam doctor is? No. <laughs> a door jam doctor is the doctor that stands with their back against the door jam with one foot in the hallway and one foot in the room. And the patient is signaling, is receiving that signal that I've got to go. But then what's the worst thing the doctor will say when they have their one foot in the hallway? Hey, Mr. Klein, do you have any more questions? Well, basically they're saying, but don't ask them. i got to go. <laughs> and so yeah. that's why when we wonder why patients don't ask questions of the doctor, it's because of that body language. We know the research has shown if the, if the doctor sits down and makes eye contact, significant improvement in the patient experience evaluation than if they're standing or have their back to them. So body language is so important. It never was in the past. I'll tell you what else that's leading to. I've got, in research I've done nationally, 1 in 10 to 1 in 12 folks are saying care is getting so bad 
in my doctor's office because of the ancillary staff and the rest, not the doctor, that I'm considering switching. And I tell folks, okay, that 10% doesn't sound like a really terrible, terribly scary number, but add up all your doctors in your system and all the patients that they see and then lop 10% off. Would you notice that revenue loss? Would you care? And everyone goes, oh, yes, I would. So it is a big deal. And one in, one in 12 Americans have said, I don't think my doctor has a clue what's going on in the rest of the office. And the problem is consumers view the doctor as the CEO of that office. And when the doctor says things like they do to me in focus groups, well, that's why I have an office manager. I don't want to get into that politics and all that hiring and firing. I just want to see patients. Well, that may be well and good, but the patient is hearing, you're shirking, you're shirking your responsibilities, doctor, because you're the boss, not the office manager. Why don't you know what's going on? So physicians are getting hit from a lot of sides, and we really, as an, an industry, have to help them understand that taking on a retail mentality does not make them a bad doctor. It's not going to take them away from what they want to do. It's actually going to help them to provide better care because they're going to have a happier patient that's having a better experience, and that will make them more compliant. Excellent. Anything else about uh, before we wrap up this segment, because we're going to have another one uh, in a few weeks here, uh, but anything in terms of um, the retailization or some takeaways that we should think, be thinking about in terms of um, you know, trends of what you think the retailers are going to do, what you think uh, hospitals and doctors are going to do, what's likely to be on the horizon from your point of view? Wow, uh, that's that's a big question to end with, Stuart. Um, you know, I, I, think, <laughs> I got time. I think, Go ahead. <laughs> you know, I think, I'll leave I'll leave you with this. I think consumers are very open to not having to see their primary care physician all the time. Nurse practitioners, PAs, another doctor. If it means access, and what I mean by that is a virtual visit. Virtual visits are really taking off. Whether you Skype with a physician that may be part of a national plan, um, like a, a, an MD Live or something like that, there, uh, there's the, a new thing called Nurse Molly that's out on an app now where it's an avatar, and it, if you have, say, high blood pressure or asthma, you can actually connect the phone to your body parts, and it can actually measure what's going on, and the avatar actually talks to you. That's very Star Trek-like, but it's something that is the wave of the future. For, because people want access, and they feel that access is really suffering nowadays with the Accountable Care Act. And so if they can get access, they don't always have to see their doctor. If they can do a virtual visit where they don't have to leave the office and drive an hour each way maybe, and that saves them money, people pay $20, $30, $40 to be able to get that visit over with and then have the, the prescription sent into their pharmacy so they can pick it up after work. So convenience and access are absolutely game changers um, nowadays. Uh, you know, it's terrific. And I, in fact, it's funny, uh, we're working with a uh, major university's uh, nursing faculty process or uh, nursing faculty program. And what's really been interesting, and uh, we're just beginning to work with them, is how many consumers are actually saying they prefer a nurse um, because they perceive they're going to get more time, they perceive they're going to get sort of more caring and so um, things are changing. The times are changing, as Bob Dylan would say. We have to adapt to that. Otherwise, we're going to find patients, consumers, customers finding alternative ways to receive care. And if they get a primary care physician, 
let's, let's just really take this out, you know, on a, a wild whim here. If they get a primary care physician at a CVS or a Walgreens, for example, we know that primary care physicians are the key feeder to health systems. So you block that front door, you're going to have a lot of unintended consequences on the inside. Well, Rob, this has been terrific. I can't wait to talk to you again. Um, as always, it's been uh, educational and entertaining to talk with you and to uh, uh, hear you when uh, hear you speak, and so I've uh, great knowing you. And, uh, this is really terrific. So thanks for joining us. Oh my pleasure. Thanks for having me on.